Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast where we dig into God's Word together and find life through Jesus Christ. My name is Ben Blakey. It's Wednesday, the 8th of July, 2020. What's something that you would consider yourself good at doing? Uh, Maybe you've got a skill as a, a woodworker. Or maybe you really enjoy gardening and you think of yourself as, you know, I'm pretty good at that. Or maybe some athletic skill that you have. Now, imagine that somebody comes up to you in this area. You know, you think you're the best fly fisherman on the block and they come up to you and they tell you you're doing it all wrong. And you push back on them and say, hey, I know what I'm doing here. But they insist that you're doing it all wrong and you decide to humor them and it turns out they were right. They came up to you in something you thought of yourself as an expert in and proved that they know more than you do. Well, we see the ultimate example of that today in our Bible reading in Luke chapter 5 verses 1 through 11. And now we've been doing this now for a whole week uh, through this podcast, but this is a part, again, I want to remind you of a broader reading program where we're reading through all of the Bible in a year and every day reading from four different places, the Old Testament, Psalms, the Gospels, and the New Testament. And so we want to start with our reading in the Gospels today in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And the scene I hypothetically described in our introduction is the scene that we see happen here as we see Jesus interacting with the people that he is going to be called called to be his first disciples, the first of which is Simon, who will become known as Simon Peter. And he's in one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put out from the land, and he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And after it's all over, he says to Simon, hey, put out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. And Simon, you know, he's in that spot where he's like, um, I, you're, you're a good teacher and stuff, but um, I'm a fisherman. This is what I do for a living. I know what I'm doing and I was fishing all night and I didn't catch anything. But sure, sure. Yeah, I'll go out and put out and we'll, we'll, we'll put out our, our nets for another catch. And, and so he does this. And it says in verse 6, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Wow. And then Peter's response tells you a lot about this in verse 9 or verse 8. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me. For I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. So even judging by Peter's response, you know, that he comes and he he fell down at Jesus' knees and says, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. It's clear that this wasn't just, oh, wow, Jesus knows what he's talking about. Again, it says that they were astonished. This was, I think, another event, really, if we could have been there, of, of miraculous proportions to get that big of a response from Simon Peter. This was a person, again, who had so much experience with fishing. He'd probably seen bad nights, but he'd probably seen really good days and really good catches. And what he is seeing here is something unlike anything 
he has seen before. And it prompts this response that that he says to Jesus, depart from me, for I am a sinner. But what I want to focus in then is on what Jesus says to him in response. And he says also there were James and John there. And so we see Peter, James, and John, uh, three that will be the disciples and even uh, lots of time talked about as the inner three of the 12. He says, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. Now, maybe you've heard that translated, you know, you will be fishers of men. And that's really what I want us to think about today. That call of Jesus on his disciples is a call that I think has been extended now to his his followers, us as disciples of Christ, that we have a mission to make disciples. That would be the great commission that Jesus gives in Matthew 28, that God is calling us as his people to be fishers of men seeking to point people to Christ, to see souls rescued not out of the Sea of Galilee into, you know, my belly, but souls rescued out of judgment, out of the domain of darkness, and brought into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. That is something that every Christian should want to see. And that connects with our other New Testament passage today from Galatians chapter 4, verses 12 through 31. Galatians 4, 12 through 31. And we see this intense passion that Paul has for ministry because he's talking about the the false teachers there. And he's trying to say, these people don't care about you like I care about you. These people are seeking themselves and, and, you know, they're, they're building you up, but they're doing it for, he says in verse 17, for no good purpose, right? They're, They're pumping you up, but this is not about your good. But then he contrasts that with himself. In verse 18, he says, It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose, and not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. That is how Paul describes his concern for these churches. He is saying, I am in the anguish of childbirth for you until Christ is formed in you. Now I have three children, so there are there are three times in my life where I have been right there witnessing this anguish of childbirth. And I'm guessing roughly half of you listening to this podcast, uh, you might be on the other end of things, and many of you might be saying, "Yeah, you've witnessed it. I've felt it. I have felt the anguish of childbirth." And that's how Paul describes his care for this church, his desire to see people not only saved, but then also growing into the image of Christ. Now put these two passages together, Jesus telling those disciples, you're going to be catching men. Paul describing, hey, that what that looks like for me is the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in these people. I want to ask you today, who do you care about like that? Who could you say that you are in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in them? Who are some of the lost people that you know that that you are laboring over? Or who are some of the believers in your life that, man, you care so much about them. You want to see them grow. Maybe you know even they're going through a tough time right now, but your heart is going out to them and you feel that anguish for their souls to see them grow in Christ. 
What I want you to do is take some time, even if you need to pause this podcast right now or to come back to this when you are done listening to pray for some of these people in your life. And that these would be prayers, not just, you know, checking off a list, but passionate prayers for the souls of the men and women that you are thinking of right now. God has called us to be fishers of men. The example we see of people that did care about other people is that it is intense and it involves a lot of our emotions. Let's pour out our hearts to God in prayer today for the people that we want to see Christ formed in. Now let's go back to the Old Testament and we'll pick it up in 1 Chronicles chapter 4 and 6. And so again, we're in the middle of all of these genealogies and you're thinking, yeah, this isn't you know my favorite part of, of Bible reading. But what I want to encourage you to do is just some general advice when you are reading genealogies. And that is, you know, you're getting into lists of name after name after name after name of just successive generations. And you're thinking, these names don't mean much to me. But what I want to encourage you to do, in most genealogies, occasionally, there will be lines of commentary. And so you're reading name, 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 name. Ooh, comment on this name. When you see those comments, your your eyes should kind of, you know, widen a little bit and your ears perk up a little bit and saying, okay, there's a lot of names that... I guess the author just assumes or doesn't think need much comment on. But when he does choose to comment, remember, whoever was writing this genealogy was being moved by the Holy Spirit to speak the words of God. So I think, one, let's not just assume that the names are unimportant, but let's especially cue in on those moments where there's a comment given about something that these people did or something that they said. And there's two comments I want to point out to us today that will, I think, help us and two things that we should pick up on. And the theme between both of them is in, in these all these names that we're reading today from these different tribes, uh, that's what it's breaking into now, the tribe of Judah and Simeon. And then really we're seeing the, the tribes also that were on the other side of the Jordan River from where most of the tribes lived. But as we look at all those, there's some comments made that theme in on this idea of God answering prayer. We see this guy named Jabez in chapter four, and maybe you've heard of him. And I think you could maybe make an argument that too much was made a while back in Christian circles of his prayer. But let's not throw it out. Look at what it says there in 1 Chronicles 4 and verse 10, where it says, Jabez called upon the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border, and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm, so that it might not bring me pain. And God granted what he asked. Here's a heartfelt prayer of a man to God for protection, and God hears, and God answers. And then in chapter 5, verse 20, when we're reading about the the descendants of, of Gad, the tribe of Gad, and it talks about these tribes, the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half tribe of Manasseh. They lived over on the other side of the Jordan River, so they were more exposed even to all these other nations, and they were in a war. And in verse 20, it says, And when they had prevailed over them, over their enemies, the Hagrites and all who were with them were given into their hands, for they cried out to God in battle. And he granted their urgent plea because they trusted in him. And I think there's a message here of the power of prayer. In each of these, neither of these are even the most spiritual prayers maybe that you've ever seen, but they're people genuinely asking God for help. Let's not discount that 
today, and let's even cue in on the importance of that today, and take the things on your heart and the trials in your life to God in prayer today. And again, that's what we see happening in Psalm 80, as we wrap that up and read the second half of that today. And as you read Psalm 80, verses 8 through 19 today, you see this image of a vine uh, that came out of Egypt. And this image of a vine or even of a of a vineyard, that's one that gets picked up on uh, other points in Scripture. Isaiah uses the image of a vineyard in Isaiah 5. Jesus will cue back in on that in the Gospels as he rebukes the religious leaders. But he's talking about the nation of Israel and uh, just how frustrating it is to see now that the nation has uh, undergone hard times and, and that the walls have been broken down. But he's lifting his request up to God for the nation of Israel. And you see it there. Just look at the first last two verses. Then we shall then we shall not turn back from you. He's asking God, hey, hear your prayer and, and listen to the prayer of your people and establish, even if you look at verse 17, the man of your right hand, the son of man. Those probably aren't messianic references per se. They're probably focused on the nation of Israel, but they do point forward to the one who personified all of that in Jesus Christ. But saying, hey, restore your people, then we shall not turn back from you. Give us life and we will call upon your name. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. And again, we've talked about earlier this week, praying for our own nation. And we aren't the people of God. There's no covenant promises made to the United States of America. But I think there's some good things from here that we can pray for our nation, that God would restore us and that we would not turn back from him, that we would call upon his name and that we may be saved. Well, thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church, Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Mm -hmm.